0: Welcome to this episode of Consider It Blacklit. I am Kim Singleton, your host, and for those of you tuning in for the first time, Consider It Blacklit highlights films, television programs, and stage plays featuring African Americans up front and behind the scenes. We also discuss social issues as it relates to some of these programs and how they may or may not impact our communities. So thank you for tuning in and we hope you continue to tune in each week. Today, it is my pleasure to have two members of the Industry Standard Group. This organization innovates Broadway by finding new pathways toward equitable representation in commercial theater. Please welcome Rashad Chambers and Adam Heineman. Welcome guys.
1: Thank you so much for having us.
0: I am so excited to have you here and learn more about your organization. But before we start talking about the organization itself, why don't each of you tell
2: us a little bit about your backgrounds? We'll start with Adam. Sure, thank you so much for having us. Uh, My name is Adam Heineman, my pronouns are he, him. I am a New York based artist, producer, and activist. I've had a career performing on Broadway for the better part of a decade. And for about half that time, I found ways where I could contribute across the field as a facilitator, as a teaching artist, and also as a producer. So I now occupy many hats and uh, work mainly in the commercial producing realm on Broadway.
0: Oh, great, great. Rashad, what about you?
1: Um, I started off my career as a lawyer. Um, I am now a talent manager and producer as well. Um, I've been mostly producing um, on Broadway and off-Broadway these days, and um, I'm really passionate about helping other producers of color sort of find their lane and help them pro- find access to entry in this industry.
0: Hmm, that's amazing. So you went to law school. When you were in law school, did you know that you wanted to end up being a producer on Broadway?
1: Yes, I did. I think that my... My love of theater started when I was a child. My cousin is an actress, so I grew up around theater. And um, I wanted to be a lawyer since I was 13. And then once I got into college, I knew that there were other things that I wanted to do. So I was a business major in college, trying to get into law school, studying theater as a hobby throughout that entire time. And I thought producing could be a way to infuse all those three things together you know, from the budget side, from the negotiations to the creative. And so I really just charted out a path that started while I was in law school to be able to move to New York upon graduation and just immerse myself into the world of theater and producing. And my goal was to just sort of be lawyer by day, producer by night. And here we are 17 years later.
0: Here we are. Here we are. So um, Adam, what inspired you to become um, a Broadway producer or just the performer in general?
2: Yeah, I always had such a love for the arts. I think for many of us that find our careers in this ecosystem, there's a way that this storytelling, this cultural ritual activates something so human and so universal into us. I think that's what we call getting bit by the bug. And for me, uh, my vantage point is one that uh, allows me to see different areas of our community and our ecosystem. So producing for me was uh, a vehicle that I could create more transparency for my colleagues, for folks that I came up in the business with, for castmates, for people that I encountered all across the industry, knowing that... We are an incredibly uh, collaborative art form and field, yet sometimes we're siloed in our specific lanes, our specific roles, and particularly as Black people, particularly as people of color, we're particularly siloed sometimes, and we aren't privy to all the conversations. So my desire to step into, um the function of producing and contributing in that way has always been about paying it forward and making sure we all have uh, a better understanding of our collaboration i love it i love it let's
0: talk about some of the specific challenges of being producers of color on broadway let's start with rashad
1: well first i think it just starts with access and for many it also starts with not having role models You know, when I moved to New York in 2005, there were really no Black producers and definitely no Black lead producers. And I was very fortunate to have some really wonderful allies that looked out for me and helped um, sort of shepherd me into this industry. Um, And that wasn't necessarily um, a hurdle so much that it stopped me from pursuing, but I think for other people, it could be. So that is the one reason why I love platforms like this. Just to be able to share our stories, I think is so powerful. I always joke with people and say, you know, I'm a producer because I like being behind the scenes for a reason. But you know, if if me sharing my story allows somebody in Iowa or Colorado, you know, the possibility and the ability to see that this can be a career, I really want to do that. Um, but to specifically answer your question, I think a lot of times we just don't have the same resources that some of our counterparts have. You know, if you didn't grow up in New York, if if your dad or mom are not in the industry, like how do you make those connections and how do you find your way in? You know, for me, it was literally just pounding the pavement and knocking on every door and I was very blessed that I met a few directors and writers early in my career, and we were able to just develop projects together. And that's really how I cut my teeth and learned how to produce. So I'm so happy now that there are organizations like Theater Producers of Color and Black Theater Coalition that create fellowships and um, programs that allow for, for various people of color to learn about producing.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the audiences that come on Broadway. I know when I go, even to some of the Black plays, it's still majority white people, tourists, and it still seems like it's a challenge to get us to come to Broadway. Give us your thoughts on why it's such a challenge, and let's start with Adam.
2: Sure. I think it's a challenge because we uh, are behind in our audience development, and then we oftentimes put an additional burden on particular particular productions that might be led by Black cast, that might be written by cast uh, Black creatives or people of color at the forefront of these productions. And we um, have an expectation that these productions are gonna solve the problem for the industry. However, it's an industry issue that we haven't created the invitation. Right, we haven't gone in and cultivated audiences to make sure that all people are welcome and belong. Not just when we're trying to um, produce or sell a quote-unquote black show or a quote-unquote show for people of color. Um, how how are we not building these bridges for every show, um, so that it's not a foreign uh, experience. It's not a foreign practice to be a patron of the arts, to be um, entertained and a part of that ecosystem, not just in February, but all year long. Um, I think that is um, one of the, the hurdles that we have so that it's not about um, creating a different table of diversity and inclusion. It's at every table where we're seated and placed at every conversation, Um, instead of putting the burden on um, how do we get people to show up for particular shows? It's no, how are we building invitations and inclusion in everything that we do? So it's, uh, it's a future vision that we see every type of show fully diverse, not just stories that uh, might be led by um, people of color or um, folks uh, of the global majority. I think that is one of the uh, the conversations that we're not having, honestly. Thank you for that.
0: Um, Rashad, would you like to add to that?
1: Sure. You know, I think a big part of the conversation is, is cultivation. Like Adam said, you know, there's this sort of myth that Black people don't go to the theater. And I don't think that that's true. I just think that we don't always feel like we are welcome or that we belong. And so I think people tend to come out when they feel themselves represented on stage. And I think that as producers, we need to engage the right agencies and press teams that can start the cultivation early to really let people know what the show is about and and how they can get access to it, whether that be, you know, full price ticket, discount tickets. Are we doing special nights or talkbacks? Really starting that early so that we can really engage the community and be able to let them know that they're welcome in the theater. And, you know, I think everyone is still trying to figure it out, but we have to be more and more intentional about it as we continue going on.
0: So Rashad, you are the founding member of the Industry Standard Group. Tell us how that came about.
1: I'm one of eight founders. Adam is also a founder. Um, I think it came about for just a longing to make a change. You know, so many of us were producing on Broadway. Adam and I were um producers on the inheritance together. And um we found that we were all navigating majority white spaces, and there weren't a lot of people that looked like us. And so after George Floyd was murdered, there was sort of a call to action to not sit by and just stick to the norm, you know, or what we had been doing before. So it was really about how can we make a change? And so the eight of us came together from different walks of life with the connection of theater to figure out how we can um, even the playing field the commercial theater standpoint of producing and investing because that's where where we we felt we can make the biggest impact right um back in the day there were many productions that had lots of people on color on stage but had white directors white choreographers white producers and so it's like how can we not only help change the business model of how many people of color are investing and producing but how can we also hold people accountable that when they're bringing on that new designer or they're bringing on that general manager, that they can start thinking outside of their very, very small box and start looking at other diverse candidates. So that's sort of where it, I would say the genesis was. And then we just had to figure out how to actually do it because it had never been done before.
0: Well, it's definitely needed. So I applaud you on everything both of you have done so far.
2: Thank you. I think that I'll just tag on to what Rashad was saying. And so much of what we're building with the industry standard group and with uh, Second Act Theatrical Capital is part of a larger movement as uh, Rashad was saying. And I think it's everyone's responsibility to take stock of where they have particular impact. Us as producers in this field, have a particular opportunity to demystify and create more access in our lane, to create new stakeholders for the field, knowing that if we're doing our work in accountability, it'll inspire other groups and other initiatives to also do their part, right? So that we're in conversation with folks you know, in different initiatives, all doing their part. Maybe their part is in casting. Maybe your part is in creating more access for stage hands and uh, designers, like with um, uh, what uh, Ava DuVernay is doing at Array and what we're doing with uh, Get to Work um, for the theater district um, and a database uh, collective there. I think that if everybody, Um, just does their part to create incremental change, we can get there faster instead of thinking that any one person or any one organization um, has to solve everything on their own. That's interesting,
0: which leads me to my next question. You are, uh, Adam, a producer and a performer and an activist. How will you use your specific skills to help further the mission of this organization?
2: Yeah, uh, thank you for that question. I think that it takes um, all of us, right? As I was just mentioning, it takes everyone doing their unique portion and bringing their own gift and talent um, to to the table. And myself, um, I think I have a particular vantage point of intersectionality, having worked in a lot of different sides of the field having worked on both sides of the stage behind and on. And I think that that provides me the opportunity to be a translator, um, to be a liaison and to forward what I've, I've learned for the better of the community. Um, so that's what I think those three identities or kind of roles um, work in tandem to allow me to provide value and contribution. I can't be the best producer I can be um, if I'm not also bringing my insight and my heart for artists. I can't be the best um, creative I can be in the room if I'm also not bringing on uh, and asking questions around fiscal responsibility and how to best create processes that work for um, a collaborative um, um, journey. Um, So we can't just be um, um, thinking about a cookie cutter formula as if we have to show up the same way to be successful. Um, I hope that my um, uh, trajectory in this field is an an example that uh, the ways that you're uniquely positioned is the best way that you have to contribute and nobody else has that unique footprint as you do. In the same way that Rashad has a very unique fingerprint on on the field and he can only contribute in the ways that he can. But only if we're bold enough to say, yeah, sometimes we might never see um, an example like us, no one might set the precedent um, for me to follow, but I'm here and it's my job to take my my shot and, and, and do what I can.
0: Amazing, yes, that's right. Take your shot, do what you can, definitely. Um, Rashad, um, I understand you are a Morehouse man um, and I'm a big supporter of HBCUs. I'm a graduate of Howard University and I like to ask my guests this, how has your education at Morehouse influenced your career?
1: Um, Honestly, it was life changing. I just had such a magical experience going to Morehouse and just being a part of the rich legacy that comes along with the institution. Um, it just was really wonderful. And I think I learned a lot about myself. I think I lot, learned a lot about other people and it really set me up for just an amazing journey to be able to navigate life. You know, I remember I was a business major in college, and I remember I had a class called like leadership and professional development, and we had to do uh, basically what they call a costume parade in theater, where you had to bring wear your business attire, and then we got an assessment on how you looked. And it was so eye-opening because the teacher was um, a little harsh <laughs> with, with some people, but When you left that class, you knew exactly what that uniform was to wear to an interview. The color suit, the color shirt, the type of shoes, the type of socks. And those are the things that they instilled in us. And I think because Morehouse is all men, there's a real concerted effort to make sure that we are all successful because there's so many men of color who are either deceased or in jail. So for me, it was such an amazing opportunity to grow as a person and a man.
0: Wow, very well said. And I like asking that question. I recently interviewed James Imes, who is the Pulitzer Prize winner of Fat Ham that that's coming on Broadway this March, and you know he shared his experience at Morehouse, and it was life changing for him too. So thank you for sharing that with us.
1: You know, James and I were in college around the same time
0: oh yeah I was gonna ask that but I wasn't sure who was older I didn't want to insult anybody <laughs>
1: I'm older it's okay I'll, I'll admit to it <laughs>
2: okay, okay. and now Rashad is producing his play
0: oh wow okay can I come to the opening
1: <laughs> let me add you to the list oh thank you. <laughs> now listen I can't promise but okay. I'm gonna try you know, there's only 700 seats in this theater
0: Oh wow! Well, I hope it, I'll do what I can to help promote it. I just wish it. I just want it to be successful. Thank you.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Adam, you are on the board for Broadway for Racial Racial Justice. I have not heard of that organization. Can you tell me and my audience a little more about it and what it
2: does? Yeah, BFRJ came together also in the midst of the uh, racial reckoning, particularly um, in our theater ecosystem. Um, it's a grassroots organization that really responds to artists where they are, providing advocacy, um, really stepping in in a liaison fashion. There are um, arts workers all across the country who don't feel represented in their workspace often, and we have a pretty particular uh, set of uh, working dynamics when you get into a production. And, you know, sometimes you're not equipped with HR. Sometimes the people that you um, need to um, voice concern with, particularly around something sensitive or maybe even a racial matter, are not best suited, right? A stage manager actually isn't someone um, charged with the, um, uh, any sort of, uh, harm prevention. It's not in their job description to manage, you know, conflict resolution, right? So oftentimes you're in scenarios where marginalized folks or people of color are compromised and there's really no support. Broadway for Racial Justice steps in, in those situations, um, providing um, support, um, providing opportunities to, um Uh, liaise or be an ombudsman on behalf of someone. Also, we responded with providing emergency grants, particularly during the pandemic so that artists of color and marginalized folks could um, get their needs met. And um, we continue in ways of amplifying the work across the field and being advocates for transformative justice, um, a model that doesn't look at how we can um, um, kind of mitigate harm, but imagine a new world where we're counteracting these systems and creating new fields where we actually don't have to talk about, you know, um, um, punitive justice or, or recovering from harm. We're actually building a system that understands where our vulnerabilities are first. So that's the work of Broadway for Racial Justice, and it's really in partnership and in um, um, accountability and solidarity with a lot of the other organizations that are are um, in this movement and work together in, in theater from um, uh, the Broadway Advocacy Coalition, BAC, to um, Black Theater United, BTU, to uh, Black Theater Coalition, BTC, and also our organization, um, the Interviewee Standard Group.
0: Great, great. They, thanks for sharing that information. So let me ask you, how can the average person support the industry standard group? What can we do?
1: I'm let Adam take that one. Yeah,
2: we have built the industry standard group to be um, a evergreen community that is um, going to be providing support and access and also disruption into our field. So we want um, folks who participate in theater, theater makers, also audience members, patrons, and everyone in between to support by sharing the work that we do and seeing how they're a part of our art forms themselves, that this cultural ritual is a part of them. Um, One of the tools that we've built for uh, participation in the field is called Second Act Theatrical Capital. And that is a first of its kind um, producing arm that will um, lower the threshold for participation to become a stakeholder. Um, it's the first time that Broadway producing and investing is really open to all. Um, it doesn't. It, it really hasn't been about, um, a philosophy or a a, a, a ideal to this point, it's really been about government regulation and the fact that Broadway commercial productions require certain um, thresholds to participate. Usually a very high cap of a minimum investment, traditionally $25,000, and the need to be an accredited investor Um, under the parameters of the SEC. And uh, those are two things that we have built a new model along with new innovations in um, security law and the SEC to provide the opportunity for all folks. So you can check out our opportunity if you're interested in, in making that bridge of access to the arts reciprocal. I believe that we can't truly have a field that serves everyone and stories that serve everyone if all people don't have the opportunity to also gain and reap from the benefit of it, right? You asked us a little bit about audience engagement earlier. And I think one of the um, tools that we have to really, in a strong way, build new audiences is also invite the opportunity for success to those communities, right? It's not just about inviting black and brown communities to see and buy tickets to our shows. It's also about providing the opportunity for black and brown communities to be stakeholders and profit participators from this field. So that's what we're building.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, we are running out of time, but I want you to tell our audience how to follow you on social media, where they can get information about your organization. Rashad or Adam, either one of you can jump
2: in on that. Uh, you can follow me um, on uh, online at my website, adamhindman.com or on Instagram, at Adam underscore Hindman. And our organization, the Industry Standard Group, um, has a website that you can learn all about um, and even follow on the same um, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook channels.
0: Great, great. Rashad, what about you? Um,
1: How can we
0: stalk you on
1: social media? Yes, <laughs> I'm not on Twitter <laughs> just yet, but on Facebook and um, Instagram, Rashad B. Chambers. And I hope you will check out more about the Industry Standard Group and support the organization. You know, we're doing something really important for not only the industry, but for so much of the theater community. And we want as many um, stakeholders as we can get. And not only people who are just traditionally on the business side, but people who may be actors or stage managers who have devoted their life to this craft and want to sort of peel back the curtain and see a different side of it.
0: Thank you gentlemen for sharing that information about the industry standard group and audience Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, consider yourself Blacklit.